Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. This is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm Farm. Hi. Hi, Farm. How are you? Good. Good to have you in the studio. Yeah, it's great to be here, all wet and on high ground. Yes. Which I couldn't be set for everybody no. at the moment. So, yes, our hearts go out to you if you are flood impacted right now. We know there are probably a few people listening, more than a few people listening, who have been impacted by the rain. So, And more to come, I believe. Yeah, this week. Yeah. Many thanks to Tim and Andrew and Edith for Vital Bits this morning. Andrew with Soulful Bits, Edith with Things to Do Today, um, a wonderful show as always. I'm always taking notes, either mental notes, or I'm sitting in my car with one of those little apps that tells you what the song is. And Oh, like a Shazam. I- yeah. Yeah, 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 me too. <laughs> and getting ideas for future shows. <laughs> Always educating. So thank you, Tim, very much. You can catch Tim next weekend, both Saturday and Sunday mornings from 6 till 9 for more Vital Bits. On the show today, uh, we're catching up with a few people, Fum, who we have had conversations with this year and we've said we've got to the end and we've gone, there's so much more to talk about. Let's catch up with you again and we're doing that twice. Yeah, we are. So we are catching up with uh, Matt Crawley from uh, the Bellerin Catchment Network and Suzanne Hudgel because they are launching a new Coast Care group today Yay. in their patch. Hurrah! With fest- <laughs> festivities and activities. So we'll be crossing live over to the Bellerin Peninsula. Excellent. And uh, should we let people know if they're down that way? That there is a, a, an event that's starting at 10 o'clock today. Yes, that is that is definitely a detail we need to mention. So <laughs> as soon as you finish, listen to the show, get in the car, listen to the show in the car so you can be there at 10 a.m. And it is a uh, going to be at the Parkland at Beach Vista Drive in Kerr Lewis. Excellent. So we'll give you more details on that in uh, about five, ten minutes' time. Uh, we're also going to be catching up with Caitlin O'Day. You might remember a few weeks ago, Farm. In fact, you were here for I that week. I was here. I'm yeah. so glad we're having her back. <laughs> so this is um, – she was talking about her PhD research into the seagrasses of the Perth catchment in Western Australia, of course, and their relationship with the feeding habits of swans, of local swans. And what she was doing with her PhD was having a look at um, feeding intensity, so the, the more intense feeding led to a slower recovery of the seagrass, which you would expect, but it's important to have those sorts of data. Yeah, the baseline data is super important for any future research, especially with seagrass beds under threat from climate change. Exactly, which leads us on to today's conversation. So today she's going to be talking about a program in uh, Western Australia. It's part of Healthy Estuaries WA. So it's a state government program working towards improving the health of seven at-risk estuaries in the southwest of Western Australia. Fantastic. So they go all the way from sort of the Perth region um, oh, we'll let her tell the story. I was having a look on the website <laughs> last night. But I'm um, getting talk- very enthusiastic here <laughs> in the studio about yes. this. Yeah, I don't want to preempt our conversation. Um, so that'll be fantastic. And then to close the show, very excited. Melbourne Fringe has started. Um, and I know Richard Watts, who's back from some time away, is very excited about this as well. He's been talking about it. We're going to be speaking with Melbourne cabaret artist Amanda Buckley uh, about her fabulous one-woman show and her alter ego, Ethel Mermaid. <laughs> this one came my way via Elizabeth McCarthy. Thank you, Elizabeth. And Ethel Mermaid's Songs in the Key of Sea. 
of course. Of course she does. Yeah, S-E-A. Probably doesn't need to be said. Um, As part of Melbourne's Fringe. So um, the little tagline we have from her press release is that she's Barbara meets Liza meets Patty meets Jaws. She does it all just underwater. So she will be converting the Butterfly Club into some kind of underwater... That will be amazing. Place. Have you been to the Butterfly Club? Yes. It's an amazing venue. It's gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, how could it even be improved? I'm, I'm really in, intrigued now. Well, if it's all being decked out to be oh, yeah. um, underwater, it'll, it'll be amazing. So really looking forward to that at the end of the show. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Triple R. It is too. And we are crossing live to the Bellarine Peninsula to speak with Matt Crawley from the Bellarine Catchment Network. Hurrah! (laughs) Matt Crawley (laughs) is the program manager of the network, uh, which facilitates a whole range of really fantastic environmental activities and education uh, on the Bellarine Peninsula. And that also includes now helping to start new environmental volunteer groups, such as the Clifton Springs Kerr Lewis Coast Care Group, nice mouthful, uh, which is officially festively launching today with a fantastic event. And we are also joined by the acting president of the new group, who is Suzanne Hudgel. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt and Suzanne. Hi, Sam. Hi. Oh, yes, we have you live. Can I? Is, is this just me, or am, am I hearing waves in the background, or is that is that just my imagination? Oh, well, maybe a bit of both, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's really calm. Nice, gentle, sort of southwesterly breeze, which is just preening the... Uh, Bay looking beautiful and Suzanne and I sitting here in our car on site looking straight across to the Yang. So to be honest, it couldn't be better. Wonderful. It sounds like you're ready to go. So Matt, just to have a chat with you first. Now, coast care groups, um, listeners might know, are volunteer groups that look after the coastal environments of their local areas here in Victoria. Um, how did How did this group come into being? Well, this group in particular farm um, really started around five years ago when we started to have a little bit of just interested and concerned people coming together, you know, where all good groups start at the local coffee shops and uh, <laughs> and really it's grown from there. As the population's grown in this area, you know, many of us are aware that impacts also come with that, um, just with the extra people. And so the group wanted to be proactive. They wanted to educate people moving into the area, make sure they've got their arm with the knowledge of what they can and also, you know, not not add to any of the problems as well. And uh, we sort of, of course, with COVID over the last couple of years, it slowed the the actual launch of the group. But now there's we've got around forty people we're hoping today for our our community launch, and then following up in a few weeks' time with our um, official AGM. Ah, uh, forty people. That's fantastic. And uh, is this the only group in the area? Because I thought you had a few more going, right? Yeah. So. Part of the network, there's 35 community groups and organisations, and the community groups are around the 20 to 22, with a couple of groups forming, like the Clifton Springs Kerr Lewis Coast Care Group. And so they all have actually three different names and areas, but, you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's called a Coast Care Group, a Friends Of Group, an Environment Group. It's the ethic and uh, what the groups are trying to do, which is obviously pre- preserve and assist the, you know, the coastal area, the foreshore, the intertidal zones, all 
for the areas that we all care about. And they all have different names and slightly different focuses that relate to their communities, um, you know, and the, the environment around that area, whether they're sort of south-facing, ocean-facing around areas like Point Lonsdale in Queenscliff with um, Swan Bay Environment Association, Ocean Grove Coast Care um, over on that side, and then groups on the, the northern side of the Ballerine, such as the new one we're launching today. Hey, Matt, it's Bron. Um, I'm not sure whether this is a question for you or for Suzanne, but I'm really interested just in the this group that is about to launch today and the people who have been part of it, who sort of really worked so hard to get it to this point where today's a real celebration for them. Can you tell us a bit about the group? Who are the people involved? Uh, just really, like, it's Suzanne here, Bron. Um, just the locals. I think uh, people that have lived here for a little while, there's lots of new people. We want to learn about the environment we live in. It's a lot of other groups of where the high-energy beaches are, and I think it's just an opportunity to learn about the bay and the marine environment as well. So I guess we're just from all walks of life. There's some young people I know that are interested, uh, people for a while, and just the newcomers as well. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about Clifton Springs and Kerr Lewis and what makes that area so special for you and for your group. Um, I think because it is Bayside, uh, we hear a lot about the surf beaches and things that happen along there, and I think people forget that the bay is still a marine environment, so we've still got, uh, it's a different kind of coastal vegetation, we've still got the marine life, we've got out here, uh, lots of things when you, you go beach combing, and we've also got lots of bird life in the, the flora as well. Yeah, and what sort of activities will you be doing, Suzanne, with the group? Like, what is your focus for the next year or so? I think we hope to focus on the foreshore with some uh, working with the council with some weeding, some um, re-veg activities, um, but hopefully get it, get some people out there doing whatever they can at what just bird watching and doing some beach combing. But I think from a positive point of view, it'll be working on the foreshore with some plantings. Yeah, lovely. And uh, you are the acting president at the moment, Suzanne. And um, are you are you a long term local? Is there what, what were your motivations for for getting involved with a group like this? I've been here about eleven years. I've got family that have lived here for about thirty years, so I've been coming down here for a while. Um, and when I moved. To- be involved in my local environment, get out there and learn about it. Yeah, that's that's such a good way of doing it, and especially when you've got um, groups like BCN sort of like supporting people in that as well. Um, so what is happening today for the festive launch? You have a few activities coming up, I believe. Uh, yes, we'll have uh, a rotation of activities with uh, learning about some uh, Indigenous cultural heritage, some bird watching, uh, checking out the local uh, food activities. That sounds really good. So uh, that all starts at 10am, doesn't it? So um, people, Parkland at Beach Vista Drive in Kerr Lewis from 10am to 1pm. Fun stuff happening. Hey, Matt, I'm wondering, um, because, you know, you're usually one of the instigators of, uh, of these kinds of groups, so you're, you're pretty uh, experienced in setting it up. If, if people who listen to this want to set up a Coast Care group in their own patch, where do they start? Thanks, Barb. Um, well, I guess, like Suzanne was saying and, and I was discussing, you need to develop um, a few interested people and build from there. And if you're, it depends on what your interest and your focus is. I mean, a lot of 
groups. They want to be on ground. They want to be practical and doing things. And wherever that is, the land's going to be managed by a land manager. It might be a local council or a foreshore manager, etc. So the first step, if you don't already have that, is to develop a relationship and agreement to get the approvals in place, work through do you need to be registered through them, insurance, so you're, you know, you're protected and safe, and a range of those things. They sort of, they're a bit the boring things, but if you don't get them right, it can, it can slow the momentum of the group to be doing what it wants to be doing, which is helping the local environment and educating. Um, for other groups, it might be, they might be an advocacy group or, or um, just wanting to run sort of um, educational events. And so I, I suppose it depends on what the group wants to focus on and how they want to start. But essentially developing that relationship is critical. And then perhaps working through local networks. In our area, it's Bellarine Catchment Network. It could be Port Phillip Eco Centre, Bass Coast Landcare Network, and all the other ones around. Because as you said, we've got experience with starting groups. We can talk around the process with incorporations and things like that and help to um, sort of help the group to jump over those hurdles along the way. Matt Esbron, I saw that as part of today's um, uh, activities, there's an education session by Wadawurrung Traditional Owners Aboriginal Corporation. I was going to ask you about that, but also more broadly with some of the other groups as well about the partnerships and uh, the connections that they have to their local traditional owner um, groups. Yeah, thanks, Bron. It's really exciting, actually. We had a launch off with a welcome to country and a smoking ceremony by the Wadawurrung Traditional Owners Corporation, and they've just arrived on site, so there's already a bit of excitement building. And, you know, that's just critical for us to, particularly with a new group like this that's forming, to, to establish those relationships, let the Wadawurrung know there's a new group forming on their land and, um, and have them part of ceremony and the features and that's going to continue on all morning where they're going to be running some other culture education activities which just blend into the other things that Suzanne was mentioned. It's such a special spot here. We've got Griggs Creek right next to it flowing into the bay. We've got River Red Gums, you know, growing right next to the foreshore area. Fresh water sort of coming right out next to the um, the, the salty uh, foreshore area and it's just really, really special to, to have water um, telling those stories from there is just an ideal start and we just encourage that with every group whether they've been going for 10 years or they're a new group like this one make sure if they haven't got that connection they, they build it and uh, Wadawurrung has just been so um, receptive request to, to help out the local communities. Wow, that's great, Matt. Well, it sounds like you guys are up for a really, really good time this morning. Uh, Thank you so much for being here on the show. Uh, That was Matt Crawley, the Program Manager of BCN, Bellarine Catchment Network, together with Suzanne Hudgel, uh, the new Acting President of Clifton Springs Curlewis Coast Care Group. Thanks, guys, and have a really good time today. Thank you. Thanks so much. We've already put a link to that on our Facebook page. If you go to um, the the announcement about today's show, just click on the link of all of the wonderful people down on uh, down at Kerr Lewis and Clifton Springs, and it'll take you through the details that you need. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinada en tres triple R. Just a quick bit of news, and um, then we are going to line up Caitlin O'Day in Perth to talk about seagrass monitoring. Um, Farm, this one came my way a few weeks ago. I thought you might be interested. It's a press release from Edith Cowan University, and they've got a new approach to working with seals and monitoring seals, and they're using human hair dye to tag sea lions rather than going in the 
traditional practices been to go in and, and, and you know, attach things to their, yeah, their yeah, bodies. Yeah, like markers and stuff. Yeah. But this is using hair dye, which is ethically um, produced. It's, uh, it's, it's biodegradable, but it allows enough time for the researchers to do what they need to do before, before the hair dye disappears. Do they actually put it on their head? I'm just I'm just having visuals of seals with like smeared the body like yeah. this rainbow <laughs> hair. My kind of seal. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's uh, it, I, I think this is really cool. So Edith Cowan University leading the project with Department of Biodiversity Conservation and uh, Attractions. That's an interesting name for a government department. That's what they are. Um, marine researchers in collaboration with Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. So the Australian Sea Line Project forms part of the Western Australian Marine Sciences Institution. Westport Marine Science Program. Anyway, the point being that the hair dye marks temporary, completely safe, just like hair colour on human, but for a period of about two months, allowing us to identify each sea line and monitor them how they move around um, amongst the six haul-out islands, such as Carmack Island and Seal Island. How cool. Yeah, that's really good. Biodegradable and everything. Yeah, and they can track them via satellite apparently as well. Mm, yeah, it's better than... The, the branded elephant seals that we found on, in lawn on the beach a number of months ago. Yeah. In the 90s. Yeah, they would freeze brand them with big numbers. This that was a long time 90s. ago. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Oh, they no. don't do that anymore. But um, much, much uh, less traumatic for the seals mm-hmm. to, you know, have a bit of And they get paint. to look fancy. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah. Next year we'll see sea lion populations go up. <laughs> Because they're looking so sexy. <laughs> yes. Woo! Ah, that's right. Triple R. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. You're listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Now, a few weeks ago, we spoke with Caitlin O'Day about her research into the seagrasses in the Perth catchment and how their growth depends on the feeding habits of local swans. We had to wrap it all up a bit earlier than we would have liked, just as we were getting into some fascinating conversation about longer-term seagrass monitoring in the waters around Perth. We said we'd pick things up where we left off in a few weeks' time, and guess what? That's now. So we're delighted to cross to Perth to welcome back Caitlin O'Day to talk about her work in seagrass monitoring as part of a program called Healthy Estuaries WA. Good morning, Caitlin. Welcome back to Radio Marinara. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back on. Oh, look, it's a pleasure. And uh, as I mentioned just before, one thing that's changed since we last spoke with you is daylight savings in Victoria. So extra special thanks for being up at 6.30am your time. It's my pleasure. It's a beautiful morning. <laughs> so, uh, let's get right into it. Um, seagrasses of Western Australia, maybe for people who missed our chat with you, and just to really set the scene, can you describe them for us, how they might be different maybe from the seagrasses that we have over here on the eastern side of Australia? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's more than 70 species of seagrasses worldwide, um, and typically the ones that you find in estuaries are you know, smaller seagrasses. They're really cute and small. One has round leaves about the size of your thumb, so they're really quite cute and small. Um, a bit different to the kind of larger species that tend to have the long strap-like leaves. Now, we've got a photo on our um, Facebook page, which I believe believe is you um, snorkelling down and having a look at seagrass. Is that right? Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Excellent. So what what kind of seagrass are we looking at there? 
Uh, in that photo is uh, that's Posidonia, so that's the that's the kind of larger species of seagrasses that you get. So yeah, those are the ones that have the long strap-like wings. And we have Posidonia, we have Posidonia here too, don't we? In in Victoria. I believe so. Yeah, you do. That's um, the species that you have in most of your estuaries. Yeah, thumbs nodding. Yeah, they're all the, the strappy ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the strappy ones. The strappy long ones. <laughs> now, when we last spoke with you, Caitlin, it was about the research you were doing for your PhD, um, seagrasses and the impact of swans um, that feed on them. The work we're about to talk about now is part of your day job, for want of a better term. Um, can you tell us about what you do? Absolutely. Um, so I am an environmental officer uh, working for Department of Water and Environmental Regulation. Um, and I work uh, in a team of people who are monitoring seagrasses in five uh, southwest estuaries. Um, so this forms part of the Healthy Estuaries WA program. And we're working towards uh, improving the health of seven at-risk estuaries in the southwest of WA. Uh, actually, you might be able to answer this question. We were reading from a press release earlier um, from Edith Cowan University about some really interesting work that they're doing with putting um, hair dye on seals. Sorry, I'm not going to ask you about the research in particular. But there was um, a, a government department there that we were wondering about. The, the title of it was Department of Biodiversity, Conservation and Attractions. Do you know what attractions means? I think that's more the, the, the natural type of attraction. So, you know, going to national parks and, and those kinds of ah. things. What does it say about us, Bron, that we didn't even think of that? Yes. We, were, we were thinking about seals with hair dye and <laughs> attraction. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Caitlin. That makes way more sense. That's why you've got to have me on the show, right? I've got to clear these things yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We, yeah, we, so sorry for putting you on the we spot. We need a scientist there. here. We definitely need a scientist here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so let's have a look at this. A healthy estuaries. WA, as you were saying, it's um, working towards improving the health of seven at-risk estuaries. So let's break that down a little bit. These seven at-risk estuaries that you're looking at, can you tell us a bit about them? Sure. Um, so we, this program looks at estuaries um, from the, the Mandra region, so that's about an hour south of Perth. And we work in estuaries all the way over to Albany, which is about five hours south of Perth, so kind of on the south coast. Um, and, you know, the southwest of WA, it's a beautiful spot. And oh, so naturally so we have, yeah, we have a lot of people that are, you know, moving to these regions. And so we're seeing increased pressure on, you know, on the natural environment. And so um, really there's um, like increasing input of nutrients into waterways um, through you know, agriculture and urban environments. And what we've been seeing is, you know, an impact on, on estuaries. So stuff that happens in the catchment slows down to affect, affect the water bodies. And so our program, we're looking at improving not only the, the estuaries and rivers that flow into them, but also the condition of, of habitats like seagrasses in the estuaries. And, and what does that look like when you say improving it? Is it, is it all about water quality or, or do you do like seagrass planting? Or how do you make sure that that, that um, is protected or, or restored? So with the seagrass monitoring component of the program, uh, we mostly monitor the seagrasses in the estuaries themselves. And what this does is it helps us to guide how we manage the estuaries and the catchments and, and provides important insights into estuary health. So, so the seagrasses, they're kind of like a biological indicator for the, the quality of the water and the sediment. Um, because they need healthy, good water and sediment quality, uh, they're a really great indicator of 
of the condition. Um, but things in the catchment that we do is we work with many partners like catchment groups. You know, we were just talking with the Bellavine uh, Catchment Network. And so we, we partner with, with communities and industry and, and other government agencies um, to do some work like reducing the nutrient inputs to the waterways. So that's like fertiliser management and dairy management, sensing and revegetation of streams and, you know, remediation of, of some areas that are, don't have great soil. It's really interesting looking at seagrasses because they really are, as for, you know, from, from my perspective, the unsung heroes of the underwater um, vegetation. It's the sort of thing that people would look at and kind of not think too much about it. We've talked a bit about it over the years on this program about how important they are, particularly for nursery habitats, for fish, all sorts of different fish, but other creatures as well. And they're, they're such a critical part of the um, of that estuarine ecosystem farm yeah so i was wondering caitlin so you know obviously seagrasses they need sunlight because they're you know flowering plants just underwater so is this what you are tracking when you're saying like you know you're tracking the health of the of the rivers is it the turbidity in the water that's the most important thing for the seagrasses to survive or, or how does how does the um development influence that yeah, so turbidity is definitely one one of the things that we look at when we're monitoring for water quality. Um, another thing that we, we take into consideration is the input of nutrients into the water and, and what nutrients can do. It can fuel growth of other organisms like seaweed or macroalgae and uh, microalgae, phytoplankton, which can uh, fuel, you know, uh, blooms. And what this can do as well is that it can, if, if the blooms are in, you know, great enough quantity, they can smother the seagrasses and also impact uh, the, the light that they can receive. Um, as part of the program, one of the estuaries that we monitor is the Leshenal estuary, which is about two hours of Perth in Bunbury. Um, and what we found is that in 2009, seagrass covered almost 70% of the estuary area. Um, but what happened is that some declines in the habitat were reported um, over a couple of years and we monitored again in 2015 and found that almost half of the seagrass in that estuary was lost, um, likely due to a, a combination of factors because unfortunately we didn't have any monitoring in that kind of six-year period in between. Um, but it could have been a combination of factors like there were heat waves and high temperatures, really low rainfall, um, but also high rainfall in the summer period, those uh, blooms of macroalgae that I was talking about, and also, you know, the urbanisation pressures and nutrient inputs as well. Amazing. Um, we'll have to move on in just a sec. I did want to ask you about what your goals are for this particular program, Caitlin. What, what are you hoping will come out of this as it moves forward? What I really value about this program is that we've been um, doing this long-term. So it's long-term monitoring. And in the National Estuary that I talked about, we've monitored uh, every year since 2015 and we've been able to track the recovery of seagrasses. And at the current rate, we expect to see it recover by 2025, um, which is really exciting. If we didn't have this long-term monitoring, um, we wouldn't really be able to to be confident that the, the seagrass was recovering. Um, and so that's something that I really value about this and that's something that we, we look to continue into the future. It must be really nice to be able to have that positive thing uh, where, you know, seagrasses sea are declining worldwide. So that's a really beautiful thing of the program and that must give you yeah. a lot of hope. 
Absolutely. It's a really good news story. It, it makes my heart sing. <laughs> Excellent. Caitlin, it's been a pleasure uh, catching up with you again. Can we stay in touch on this? Because I'd really, you know, it's a big job. You've got seven estuaries that are currently at risk. You're monitoring them, you're following them, and you're looking at um, some things that can be done to improve their condition. Can we stay in touch with this? Because I'd really love to follow this one through. Yeah, I'd love to chat more. There's, there's a story in every place, and I'd love to share it with you. Ah, excellent. There you go. Well, I think we've just set up um, seven monthly segments for <laughs> moving forward, Val. Yes, you can be our regular seagrass expert on Radio Marinara. <laughs> we need a Western Australian correspondent anyway. Just yeah. Unfortunately, means you're up at 6 o'clock <laughs> on a Sunday morning. But, um, no, it's a pleasure speaking with you, Caitlin. Look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. This is Frank and Colin from Lano and Woodley and you are listening to Bron and the team on Radio Marinara on Triple R. Frank, would you like to say anything? Uh, that's okay. enough. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's... Triple R. Well, Marinarians, it's showtime and the ocean's biggest star, Ethel Mermaid, is set to make a splash. With Tails, that's T-A-I-L-S, of A Life in the Spotlight, Ethel brings it all, fame, fortune, love and loss and the big songs that follow. She's Barbara meets Liza meets Patty meets Jaws. She does it all just underwater. Her show is called Songs in the Key of Sea. It's on at the Butterfly Club for Melbourne Fringe Festival, kicking off tomorrow. And to tell us all about it, we're absolutely delighted to welcome to Radio Marinara, Ethel's, Ethel's alter ego and creator of Songs in the Key of C, Amanda Buckley. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Oh, we're absolutely stoked that you're here. Um, now, it's uh, now official. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> um, now, we're going to get to meet Ethel at some point. Yeah, she can. She's. I've got her in a pool just outside, okay. so she'll, um, we'll call her in when she's when you're ready. She's, um, but, yes, it's uh, a character that... Um, uh, she was originally an improvised character. I'm an improviser, uh, improviser and um, musical theatre kind of performer. And uh, she came up in a show a couple of years ago and I just knew she was more than an improvised character. I wanted to do something with her. I was waiting for the right vehicle. And then, of course, lockdown happened like every other artist at the moment. And I had time to actually really sit and think about what I wanted to do with her. So here we are. Fantastic. Now, I believe this is your first solo show. It is, it yeah. is. But you've been part of ensembles before. Yes. So I've been performing for well over 20 years. I'm originally from Sydney and I've been in Melbourne now for 12 years and um, I've worked with a lot of uh, improv troops and done a lot of performance work down here. But I think the thing was is I, I've never wanted to do a show as Amanda. I just, I don't have a... I don't really have a story I want to tell about me. Uh, I don't have any life lessons that I need to impart um, that I feel worthy of telling. So I've always looked for a character. And when Ethel came up, I mean, improvisers, we just, it's kind of like a churn and burn thing. Um, But she, I mean, has legs, right? So uh, a few people said it. A few people were like, we need to see... What are we going to do with her? And, I mean, look, it's taken a few years, but um, she actually made her debut earlier this year in a Fringe Rebound show, the Nick Kaday Variety Hour, um, starring Nick Kaday. And uh, I did a spot as her. And, um, yeah, everyone kind of said she she needs a full hour or at least 55 minutes. So, uh, yeah, so I <laughs> straight away... To say. That's right. So I put in my uh, submission form to Fringe and... Uh, 
got cracking. So the big question. Aha, got cracking. Cracking. Got, got, got it. Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time with puns. Uh, there's a, quite a few. There are so many fish puns. So it many. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a marine biologist. I've heard, I reckon, 99% of them, and they <laughs> never cease to amaze me. Really? Yeah, oh, fish puns or are the best. <laughs> so the big question for us, why underwater cabaret? This is ambitious. Well, I think she came first, so Ethel came first. <laughs> and um, also, why not? Uh, I mean, she just... Why would there not be a world under the sea where people need to be, well, where mer people and our, you know, fin folk need to be entertained? Um, she's not just a star of stage. She's also dabbled in cinema. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, yes, they get radio under there too because of all of the waves. Um, so... Yeah, it just felt like, well, okay, if uh, if this woman or this mermaid existed and had a massive career like the golden age of those those golden age of Broadway women, um, absolute legends who just gave their whole life to performing and entertaining, um, this is her. So she's, you know, and just quietly, I don't want to give too much away, but um, she's Ethel, uh, she's Ariel's older sister, uh-huh. and um, Ariel, of course, got legs and got to go on land, but um, I mean. I don't explore it so much in this show, but I know I know Ethel always wanted to be part of Broadway, you know. So, mm. um, so she's just yeah, she's got aspirations, and um, but she's had a big career, so she's done a lot of shows. Um, she's got a break in, uh, and this just quietly, I'm sure she doesn't mind me telling you this, but she did get her, uh, her big break in. Uh, she was the lead in Gypsy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> should we go and get Ethel? Yeah, look, she's. I, I can see her. She's such a. She's, okay, she's like. I'll just you know, thank you. Uh, thank Bron's you. going to get her. She's walking out of the studio now with a big net. Uh, she's got a net on a stick. Oh, there she goes, Ethel. Uh-huh. Hello, <laughs> Ethel. Hello. Oh, uh, thank goodness. I just Amanda. She's lovely, but you know, enough. It's all about me, really, isn't it? Well, <laughs> that's right. That's why you're here. I was worried, actually, because I... Oh, sorry, your fin's in oh. the way. <laughs> sorry. My bad. Oh, she's got a really long, luscious tail, I must thank say. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, I work out. And, uh, I mean, I must admit, I was a bit nervous. Uh, for a minute, I thought it was radio, uh, uh, like the the, the Mari- Mariana Trench. <laughs> and I was worried, because I did do a show in the Mariana Trench once, and um, it was very deep. And um, that's what the critics said, anyway, because they couldn't get there. Uh, I should have... I should have scheduled it differently and gave them travel time to actually get there, and they all missed the show. But it's one of my favorites. I'll do it again one day. Really? Dark comedy? Oh, so dark. So dark. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> so it's lovely to have you here, Ethel. We're very excited. I'm honored. Yes. Honored. We're, we're noticing a similarity to a former um, star, Ethel Merman. Oh, yeah. I've heard about her. She, uh, great chops. I heard she's got a great yeah. voice, and I love that. I love that from her. <laughs> Um, t- you've brought in a- an album, which yes, we're that's right. very impressed um, by. We're going to put this on our Facebook page just so people can see. Ethel Mermaid Sings, Songs in the Key of C, Stunning, which is the name of your show. That's right. Um, I mean, the show itself is... Uh Obviously, I headline at Neptune's Palace, and I've been there for quite a while. It's quite a thrill to be headlining. You know, I'm in residency, as they call it in the biz. And uh, I'm, so my show, I do a lot of highlights from uh, big shows and numbers that people know. Um, and uh, like like I, I heard Amanda mention Gypsy, so I do a song from that. And uh, actually, I, 
I do two songs from that. And um, I do a lot of other things. I got some medleys in there. And just quietly, I might have sang one or two of the theme songs to the James Pond movies. <laughs> and uh, there might be a little treat in there for people who love action films. I love them. I love them. You love action films? I do. I do. And Ethel, like, I mean, you're you're from a, quite a famous uh, merpeople family. I don't like to talk about it I much, know, but yes, I know, but my and, and royalty as well. That's right. I am a princess. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just wondering, what does it feel like to be one of the few merpeople to come up to the human world and perform for humans? Oh, it's, I mean, you know, obviously you're all big fans. And uh, so I kind of do it more for you. Um, but I feel like I'm doing Well, we are gr- very honoured. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a thrill. Uh, I love nothing more than entertaining and sharing my gift with all of you. And it doesn't seem fair that uh, humans can't, you know, have a piece of the action. Um, I, I always have to return to the water, unlike Ariel. Um, again, I don't like to talk about it much. But uh, we were, we, anyway, I'll... We were close once anyway. Um, but, yeah, Dad won't give out leg wishes no more, and so I have to keep going back under the sea. But, you know, you know, I want to be where the theaters are. I want to sing, want to sing on Broadway. One day. One day. Oh, I your voice is stunning. I know it's going to happen. Oh, thank you. Just- I, I'm so sorry because there's probably a whole lot of sailors that just died. <laughs> Sorry about that. I keep forgetting. As long as it's not our Captain Trash, you're safe. (laughs) We've got to get you and Captain Trash together. I would love that. Is he single? Well, I I don't know, but I think he served with uh, with your pianist, Wet Wheelie the Pirate. Yeah, right. Yeah, they must have been on the same boat. Possibly. I mean, that Willie got around. Let's go through a few of the songs that you'll be singing. Yeah, well, this is the songs from the album that uh, not all of them are on the uh, in the show, but uh, on the album, of course, I've got some classics, just some of my greatest hits. Um, uh, kelp, you know, I need some seaweed, kelp. <laughs> um, uh, gals, 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 blow, Gabriel, blow, about a great whale I know. What a I really like to party, that that one. Um, Shellabration. Uh, we have, I mean, one of my... Uh, what, from a show that I did once, uh, Send in the Clownfish by the great <laughs> Stephen Pondheim. Oh, what a talent. What a talent. Do you, you sing know? Send in the Clownfish? No, I don't. I don't. Maybe but... next time. Will you rehearse that one up and bring Wet Willie in and sing I will. for us? Do you know what? I will. And uh, I mean, one of, this is another one of my favorites is Drowntown. Um, you know, where all the Drown, sailors die. Yeah. <laughs> where all the sailors die. Um, it's one of my favorites. And when I like to party, you know, celebration. So <laughs> can you sing maybe one or two lines for us just so people can get an idea of what they'll, what they'll hear when they go? Yeah, sure. Well, I can do, uh, you know, uh, there's a party going on right here, a celebration to last you up years, you know. So it's time to swim together. It's up to you. Find some treasure. It's just a good time. It's just a party. Oh, that's so, it's really dangerous. I can already feel myself sort of drifting on your voice. You are only human. You're sirens. You are only human. I cannot resist. No, you don't need to apologize. It's me. It's me. I'm dangerous. I am a triple threat. I sing, I dance, I kill, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, and and you swim. You're a quadruple threat. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. That's true. So show details here. Ethel Mermaid, Songs in the Key of C, uh, starting tomorrow, 17th till the 23rd of October. 
That's correct. At the Butterfly Club as part of Melbourne Fringe. And to book tickets, you can go to melbournefringe.com.au. We've put the links to that on our Facebook page. People can uh, get there just by going to our Facebook page. Oh, I'm ever so honoured and I'm ever so grateful. Thank you so much. Ethel, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, good luck with your show this week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And please thank Amanda for us as well. I will. I will. This brings us to the end of Radio Marinara for today. Thank you so much uh, to our guests, uh, Ethel Mermaid, Caitlin O'Day, and Matt Crawley and Suzanne Hudgel. And thank you, Farm. Thank you. Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.